All right, if you will, please take your Bible, turn to 1 John chapter 2. Now, the Apostle John wrote five books in the Bible. He wrote the Gospel of John. We're not looking at that now. Then he wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and we're looking at 1st John today, his, his epistle. And then, of course, he wrote, wrote the book of the Revelation. All right, now look with me, please, to 1st John chapter number 2. I would like to ask you if you stand, please. We're reading three verses. Now, I'm going to be noting various other places in the Bible. You don't necessarily have to look for them. I'm not going to give you time anyway, except for one. Because I have them written out for me, to, uh, so I don't have to look them up myself. That takes a lot of time. All right, 1 John chapter 2, starting with verse 15. Now, when we read verses 15, 16, and 17, I want you to especially pay attention to verse 16. That's the basic text. And let it sink in. This might help you to understand why is it that people go astray. Not necessarily to go all the way to where they give up their salvation necessarily, but why they kind of turn their backs on God. Verse 16 actually has the answer for it. All right, now look with me, verse 15, 1 John chapter 2. Watch it. Now, uh, by the way, this is written to Christians. All right, keep that in mind. He says here, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, watch it now, the love of the Father is not in him. Did you catch that? Now, note the 16th verse. For all that is in the world, here it is, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Let us pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray you'll lead, guide, direct. All that is said and done as I present this message, I pray it will not really be from me, but rather the Holy Spirit. I'm just a tool in the hands of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. All right. I'm going to preach, be preaching this evening about uh, warnings against worldliness. Warnings against worldliness. Now, a great part of mankind is more anxious to enjoy the world than secure divine favor. That is a problem. Now, a lot of it, now it's difficult to get people saved these days. Uh, it'll, it'll just break your heart the way things go. Let me give you a good example of that. This is something that's extremely dear in my heart. One thing that burdens me to no end. When I first came to Kernersville, I started living in Kernersville after we left Oklahoma and came out here to Kernersville. I got a job with the, with the Winston-Salem Forsyth County School System to work in the public schools as a substitute teacher. Now, the first year was a doozy. It was a good year, really. It was, it was really quite prosperous because the first year that I did that at the Glen High School there in Kernersville, 
they hired me, they wanted me to work as a long-time sub because there was one class that didn't have a teacher and I had to fill in for the entire time that there was no teacher until they hired one. And it happened to be ROTC. There were two classes of ROTC. One had a teacher and the other did not. So actually the other teacher taught both classes at the same time, but I still had to be there to be watching over the, the class that I had. But in there, there happened to be a young man in that class. Uh, he was a very good student, basically, but he spoke very little English. He was from El Salvador, and he was not even a citizen of the United States, but he was there. He could read English just fine, but to speak it, he did okay, but it was hard to understand him. It was very difficult. But he and I became very close friends. Now, after a whole semester and a half, they finally hired another teacher to come in and take the second class, which meant that I was not going to be a substitute any longer as far as the long-term stuff. However, I would still be a substitute teacher in that school and two others for whatever they needed me for. Well, that was fine. So the second half of that second semester, I'd stand out when they were changing classes. I would stand out there watching for the kids to come into the classroom as they were changing classes. And this particular boy, his name was Elmer Blanco, Elmer would come by and he would always come up to me and speak to me and even hug me. He was that close of a guy. He was very, very, uh, very friendly. And I saw him that way many times. Then the second year came around. And I was substitute teaching every now and then at the Glen High School. And I looked for Elmer. I saw him not. I thought, well, I wonder where this kid is. I used to see him uh, changing classes and all, but I never saw him. And so I, I inquired about him, find out what happened to him. Come find out, he was in his, he was, had hit 20 years old and still in, I think it was the 10th grade. But remember, he was a Spanish-speaking kid who had trouble with English, although he could read English fine, but sometimes understanding it and speaking was a problem. But anyway, I got to be very close friends to him, but... I wondered where in the world was he, and I found out that he wasn't there. So I started praying, God, please make it possible. If Elmer happens to be in the area, if he's still living in either Kernersville or Winston-Salem, that somehow or another that our paths would cross. Well, a long time elapsed, nothing happened, and I kept on praying, please, Lord, I'd like to see this guy again. Well... One day, Judy and I were in the Walmart store in Kernersville. We were getting ready to leave. And as we were leaving the store, in came Elmer, by himself, by the way. The Lord had answered that prayer. See, by the way, God hears your prayers. He may not answer the way you expect him to. Matter of fact, this took me by surprise. Because uh, <laughs> you know, I, wasn't, I wasn't thinking about it. But then I, there he was. So he came up. I got reacquainted. I introduced him to Judy and so on. He was very cordial. He hugged her and hugged me too. We exchanged telephone numbers. Then we started talking to each other on the phone. And there were a few times he'd come over to my apartment. At that time, I lived in an apartment, two-bedroom apartment. One, a bedroom we, I used as an office. And then, of course, there was the living room and the other bedroom. Now, Judy, of course, was very sickly. Of course, you know, she went through a lot of difficulties and times of the, with the diabetes and all. You know all about that. Well, in time, one time Elmer came over to see me there in our the apartment, and he came in, was very friendly. He uh, 
was gracious to Judy and so on. So she sat there in the lounge chair watching TV and I escorted him into my office. And I talked to him about the Lord. I used the Gospel of John and the Book of Romans because they're those are two basic books that you can use to win somebody to Christ. And especially somebody who spoke very little English. And I spoke very little Spanish, if any at all. I spoke a little, but not much. But anyway, I talked to him for, I kid you not, two and a half to three hours. And finally, I think it clicked that Jesus is the only way of salvation. By the way, please get that in your head because that is not the philosophy, philosophy of the world. But it is the biblical philosophy. That is what God says. Jesus said it himself. He's the only way. There is no other. I think I convinced him of that. Or should I say the Holy Spirit did. So then I told him, Elmer, you need to pray and ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins. Repent. Accept Christ Jesus as your personal Savior. I told him, Elmer, don't do it in English. Talk to God in Spanish because that's your language. That's the one you can speak better. If you use English, then you're going to have to think more hard about what you're trying to say. And besides that, man, you're not talking to me. You're talking to God. It doesn't matter whether I understand it or not. Please, isn't that good? God knows both languages. Oh, he knows all languages, incidentally. So Elmer prayed it. By the way, I don't know how I didn't time him, but he prayed a good two minutes at least. And I was really convinced that he got saved. Well, right now, uh, every now and then I'll call him and talk to him. But, it's, but he never, I don't get to get with him very much. He works a lot of hours. He works at a restaurant somewhere in Greensboro. And I don't get to talk to him much. And he would tell me that he's going to call me and talk to me so we can get together sometime. But you know, he hadn't done it yet. I'm concerned about Elmer. I'm beginning to wonder, was he, was he really saved? I don't know. Listen, folks, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life hold people back, even saved people. And we need to understand that. Now look at verse 15 very quickly here. First of all, love not the world. By the way, the word love here is the same word that we use in the Bible, or the Bible uses. Agape love that we are to have with the Lord Jesus Christ. But there are some people who love the world more than they love the Lord Jesus Christ using the agape love. Now what is the world? Let me make this a stipulation. This is not talking about the created order. It's okay to love the ocean. It's okay to love the mountains. As a matter of fact, you ought to. One of the greatest things I ever did when I was down in Texas was ride horses. You ever ride a horse? I love it. Get on a horse and ride and, and just let your mind go off into the, into the great creation of the Lord God. First of all, you're riding a powerful animal there that God created. One of the most beautiful animals on the face of the earth is a horse as a rule. There's a few others also. But anyhow, I'm talking about the horse right now. And as you're riding the horse, you look up and you look into the sky. You see the blue sky and the clouds. You see the green grass. You see the trees, the flowers. And all these things come into your mind. And you worship the Lord Jesus Christ, realizing that he is the one that created all these things. That's not what this is talking about. The word here is in the Greek, kosmos. 
It's talking about the world system. Now, look around us, ladies and gentlemen. We're living in a world that is so darkened spiritually. It's unreal. Can you believe what's going on today? There are churches, now I kid you not, there are churches that's gotten away from preaching the word of God. They're turning away from the good gospel singing that we're so used to singing. I'm glad you're staying with the old time gospel music, by the way. Sheridan Park does too. And I appreciate that. However, many churches have gotten away from the, the good old hymns and gone this other crazy stuff. There's no such thing as rock Christian. Can you believe that? Or rap Christian? That, that's a contradiction. And they uphold homosexuality. Now, in my day, homosexuality was a sin back in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s. May I say something to you? It's still sin. The Bible calls it that. A man and woman should get together, get married, have children and so on. Nowadays, they're living together outside of marriage, and that's the thing to do. Uh, and they go on and on and on and on they go. Folks, it's still sin, is it not? All right. So that's what this is talking about. It's talking about the world system. Don't buy all this garbage that the world is throwing at you. You know, it's something that I just do not understand. I watch TV from time to time. I like to watch old westerns mainly. Gunsmoke is my favorite. But anyhow, I'm watching television. And here comes a program, or rather, an advertisement, I'll say it in an advertisement. Anyway, about cigarettes, how you need to stop smoking cigarettes. Okay, fine. A few minutes later, here comes a beer commercial. And it's the very opposite. Let's make it look like it's so wonderful and so beautiful. Why is it they're promoting alcohol, downgrading cigarettes, when alcohol is killing more people by far than cigarettes are? It's more dangerous. I don't understand that. That's the hypocrisy of our world today. Uh, many places have now accepted marijuana. It's now legal. Did you know that in some places? Uh, it's, it's a crying shame. Listen to them, to this. The word darkness in the Bible is a synonym for the word world in the sense of what I was just speaking about. In John 3, 19, pardon me, John 3, verse 19 says this. And this is the condemnation. Now watch it. That light... That's Jesus is coming to the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. People don't want to hear about their evil deeds. Therefore, the world says it's okay. It's not. But you know, Jesus even told us in advance way back in, the, in his day. He prophesied that that which is good is going to be considered bad. That which is bad is going to be considered good. We got it totally backwards. And that's the world system. And that's what this is talking about. Now, you see the example of Eve. Remember the story of Adam and Eve when they sinned? The devil enticed Eve. And she listened to the devil and began to say, well, what you're saying makes sense. That's what she was thinking. And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, listen to what this says. And when the woman saw, let that stick in, now watch it. Now the word saw here is the same thing as the lust of the flesh. 
when she, well, when she saw the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes. All right, there you have the lust of the eyes. And a tree to be desired to make one wise, that's the pride of life. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat. Now that was bad enough, but look at this. And gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. He was just as guilty as she was. Now why did Satan tempt Eve rather than Adam? More than likely, Eve being a woman is more susceptible to that kind of thing because she saw that thing with her eyes. A man may not be enticed as easily as a woman in that regard. And that, by the way, is no reflection on women. That's just the way it is. However, Adam was with her. Now watch it. He should have said to Eve, no. But he didn't. What did he do? He participated. So Eve and Adam both, one just as guilty as the other. Now Matthew Henry made this statement. Now watch this. Matthew Henry said, The world draws down the heart from God. And so the more the love of the world prevails, the more the love of God dwindles and decays. Does that answer your question? It's the enticement of the world. But here is, here is your reason in verse 16. These three things right here entices people to turn their back on the Lord God and look to the world system. It's pitiful. It happens, and that's terrible, but it does. Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote this from Galatians 6, 14. He said, but God forbid, now watch it, that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. That is the situation that we ought to be in. Don't let the world entice you. Now, what is the meaning of worldliness? Well, we find it in the 16th verse. Let's read it again. For all that is in the world, or the world system as it were, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world or the world system, that which the devil controls, by the way. Now, this refers to physical pleasure or temptation, especially sexual sins, but it goes beyond that. The word lust, L-U-S-T, is a longing for what is forbidden. That's what the word basically means. Longing for that which God has forbidden. Man does it anyhow. It represents desire, the inward part of temptation, or wanting one's own way. Have you ever been in a situation where somebody insists on having his or her own way? Many churches split up because of that, by the way. Believe me, I've been there. I've experienced it twice. I don't want to do it again. First time, like to kill me. The second time, I overcame it because I grabbed the hold of what Jesus had spoken of. Well, all right, now let's move on. I don't have time to go into all that. It doesn't matter anyway. Now, what is the flesh? The flesh refers to the body of the natural man, which is central upon self. It's prone to sin and opposed to the Lord God. Even Paul had this problem. Did you know Paul had to wrestle with the flesh? 
Did you know that in Romans chapter 7, 18, he made this statement? For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. You know what I could have done this morning? Since we weren't having church except online at Sheridan Park, instead of going like I usually do, I could have said, well, I think I'll just stay home today. Just take it easy, watch TV, relax, and so on. I thought, for some reason, the Lord said to me, what are you talking about, man? There is another church in Riesel you could go to, and you're still in good communion with them. Why not go there? I said, well, why didn't I think of that? I kid you not, I had that type of conversation. Because I wasn't planning on going to church uh, anywhere because I went, you know, and then it dawned on me. What about the Reesville Church? I don't like this online stuff. So, and by the way, I listened to six sermons before I got here on TV and on the radio. And that's okay. That was great. But it's not like being in church. It just isn't. There's something different about it. Uh, you know, and I, I'm glad, and I don't get me wrong. I enjoy these, uh, some of these broadcasts. I'm careful which, which ones I listen to. And, and they can be a blessing, and I, I love them to death. Uh, you know, and I get a lot out of it. But it isn't the same thing as being in church, in person with fellow believers. And that's what the church is all about. The saved man is not in the sphere of the flesh, but of the spirit. Now, I'm talking about the saved man. But the flesh is still in him. Let's face it, folks, if you get saved, you become a new creation in Christ. However, you're still in the world, and you're still in the flesh, and it's a battle. So he may, have to, he may choose to walk in the flesh. The Christian may choose to do that, or rather to walk in the Spirit. I choose to walk in the Spirit. However, I have messed up in my days. I haven't always done it. I'm being honest with you. Let's, let's face the music. I mean, you know, just like Paul, I've had to battle with it, and no doubt many of you have as well. Listen to 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 through 3. <clears throat> and I, brethren, watch it. This is Paul speaking to the brethren of Corinthians. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. In verse 1, he's saying, I can't talk to you as mature Christians. I have to talk to you like a babe in Christ. Why? Because you're carnal. He goes on to say in verse 2, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hither to you you are not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you Envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? There are Christians who are carnal. Isn't that a shame? They don't know how good to have it. Knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as personal Savior and walking in the Spirit is so much better than walking in the flesh. Walking in the flesh just gets you into trouble, brings about misery, heartache, difficulties, etc. Walking in the Spirit doesn't take all your problems away, but it gives you someone who can take care of your problems and help you to move on. Victory over the flesh will be the habitual experience of the believer if he will only walk 
in the spirit. It is written in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. This I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. All right. So there you have the lust of the flesh. We have to battle it. Second thing here, another meaning of the worldliness that we face is the lust of the eyes. Now this involves greed, envy, and extravagance and all that kind of stuff. This comes from mental thoughts. The lust of the eyes leads to impurity. Ladies and gentlemen, be careful what you watch. Be careful what you look at. I remember many years ago, Judy and I took a trip to New Orleans. Have you ever been there? It's a fascinating city. It really is. There's a lot of interesting things there. Uh, you know, that's okay. One thing that fascinated me about New Orleans were the cemeteries. They bury people above ground down there. And they have these great big monuments. There's something to see. Now, take a trip down Bourbon Street. In the middle of the day, you look into a bar. Don't go in, please. But you look into a bar. What do you see? You see women there. I mean, really scantily dressed, if dressed at all. I kid you not, in downtown New Orleans, uh, in the middle of the city there. It's awful. A good example of this was David and Bathsheba. Remember that? Now, David was a godly man, ladies and gentlemen. A man after God's own heart. <clears throat> Walking on the roof of his house. And by the way, in those days, that was the way it was. That was normal. He's walking on the house. By the way, you know where he should have been? On the battlefield. David, a man after God's own heart, and there he was at home instead of on the battlefield where he's supposed to be. Anyway, he walked on the roof and he saw Bathsheba taking a bath on her roof. And all of a sudden, lust, lust hit his eyes. And you know the story. I don't need to go into all that. Wound up killing her husband and having, coming up with a child because of her. You folks, the lust of the eyes if he had been on the battlefield where he's supposed to have been, it wouldn't have happened in the first place. It caused him to lie, caused him to kill somebody, and caused him to commit adultery. Now, that's pretty serious. David, after God's own heart, it took a, 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 the prophet Nathan to straighten him out. But he did repent, get things right. So if you're guilty of this lust of the eyes, there is still hope for you, a thing called repentance and faith. Aren't you glad God is a good God? Oh, I'm so thankful. So we have the lust of the eyes. The third thing in verse 16 is the pride of life. Now this is display of godless living, which involves possessions and arrogant desires to be recognized. Pride is self-confidence, the tendency to brag about one's own performance. Now let me give you an example of that. Going back to my, the city of Leveland, Texas, where I pastored a church, where I told you about the situation earlier. In the same city, there was somebody, I don't remember the situation, but somebody requested that I go visit a lady who hadn't been in church in ages. And they thought I should visit her and maybe persuade her to come to church, to our church. Well, I went to visit her. I didn't know who she was. Judy was with me, by the way. I never go visit a lady without my wife. 
<laughs> you know how that goes. I went to visit her. She lived with her, with her daughter, this woman did. So it was a mother-daughter situation in the house. And she began, as I was telling her who I was, what church I represented, she was friendly enough to let me in, let us in, and we talked to her. But she started bragging about how spiritual she was. Now, as she was bragging about how spiritual she was, the thought came to my mind, well, why aren't you in church? But I never said anything like that. I didn't want to, you know, have her get mad and shoot me. So anyway, I wonder what in the world's going on. Anyway, she kept on bragging. She started bragging about her and her daughter, how sometimes they'd get together and pray so hard that the house would shake. And I thought, oh, my word, you've got to be kidding. Folks, may I say something? May I say something to you? I'll talk to you later. I'm busy right now. Just please, I'll, I'll call you back. Thank you. Let me put this thing on solid. There we go. I'm sorry about that. It must be very important. But anyhow, at least I know who it is. I can talk to him later. Uh, I, I got to thinking, my lands, if you have to brag about your spirituality, there's something wrong. If you really love the Lord, it will show automatically. You don't have to prove anything to anybody. Just live a, heart, a holy, righteous life. Read the Bible faithfully. Spend time in prayer. Have a designated time that you get together with the Almighty God. I have an appointed time with God every morning. That's at 6 o'clock. That's a good time for me because it's quiet in the morning. I'm more alert in the morning than I am in the evening. I can concentrate better. I can pray, and I can pray as long as I want to, as long as two hours if necessary. Whatever. And I have a lot of things in my mind I pray about every day. Make an appointment with God. All right, so be a prayer warrior. Spend time in the Word of God. Read it. Study it. Don't just read it, but study it. Ponder over it. What do these words really mean? Etc. Be a witness to other folks that they may see the Lord Jesus Christ. Anytime there's an opening, take, it, take advantage of it. Walk in the door. Tell somebody about Christ. That is so important. I remember one time when I worked for Apria Healthcare and I went to somebody's house in Liberty, North Carolina, to deliver oxygen. It was a typical thing to go there uh, every week to that woman's house to deliver oxygen. Well, her husband is the one on the oxygen. But anyway... One time, I, I, for some reason, I was just so happy that day, and I was just kind of singing to myself. And the lady asked me, uh, why was I so happy? Oh, that opened the door. I said, because Jesus is coming back and I'm ready. That's what you can do, say something like that. And she understood. She got the message. That's important, by the way. So we need to be careful about this pride of life. Now, what about the effects of worldliness. Look at verse 17. And the world passeth away. You know what the word pass away means? It's like when you, when you die, you pass away. That doesn't mean you're demolished or are not any longer around. But pass away. You move from one place to another. That's what that means. And the world or the world system is passing away. One of these days it's going to be gone. All right? Jesus is coming back. And the lust thereof. But... He that doeth or does, in modern English, the will of God abideth forever. 
Now, there are some tragic effects that the love of the world will produce in the believer's life. The believer's life. Now, watch it. First of all, a turning away from the Lord's work and other believers. That's serious. 1 Timothy 4, verse 10. This is a possibility. The Bible says so. For Demas... Uh, this is Paul talking about a guy named Demas. He said, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. That was an example. A second one, alienation from God. In James chapter 4, verse number 4, he says here, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Now watch this. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now here again, let me emphasize, it's not talking about the ocean, not talking about the mountains. It's talking about the world system. If you are a friend to the world system, you are an enemy to God. That's what that says. If you have any contradiction on that, you talk to God about it because he encouraged James to write that. All right? Thirdly, corrupting sins. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 4, he says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having, now watch it, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So a Christian can be enticed through lust. By the way, there's been many preachers that's lost their position as a, as a pastor or as a, even a uh, testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ because of sin. And then the last one here is deception by false teachers. You better be careful who you listen to. Now I told you this morning or today that I listened to six preachers before I got here today. Four of them, five of them rather, on television, one on the radio. But I'm very careful who they are. Now, I don't always agree with everything that these preachers say necessarily. But as long as they stay on the basic things, they believe that you're saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and that only. And the th other things that I may disagree on is just little minor things that that's not going to make any difference anyhow. I don't worry about it. And they preach the Bible straightforward. And that's what you need to listen to. Be careful about that. Now, deception of false teachers. Now, watch this. In 1 John 4, verse number 1, we read, Beloved, believe not every spirit. Now, the word spirit here, and the word spirits with an S is going to come up in just a moment, refers to your mental disposition, the rational soul. All right, so with that in mind, he says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, with an S, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. And you see that today, do you not? The world system is imposing, it's powerful, and it's often religious, scientific, cultured, and elegant. By the way, just because somebody is religious does not mean he or she is a Christian. Now, this world system is passing away. That's a good reason to not love the world system. 
The one who does the will of God abides forever. And there's a good example of that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, he was tempted the same way that Eve was tempted. Did you know that? You'll find it in Matthew chapter 4. You can read it for yourself, verses 1 through 11. It's also in the Gospel of Mark and in the Gospel of Luke, where Jesus was tempted by Satan. You know how he overcame Satan? Through the Word of God. That's why it's imperative that you read, study, ponder, pray about, and listen to the blessed Word of God. I was telling Brother H.C. today an experience I had one time. I was reading the Bible, and I don't remember what verse it was or even what book it was in. I came across a verse. I read it over and over again. I did not get any sense out of it. I read it from the, New, from the uh, King James Version, the New International Version, New American Standard Version, and even the Living Bible, which I don't usually participate in. But I, I read all those things. And commentaries, I have lots of commentaries. I read them, and they made no sense. I don't get this. What's that verse saying to me? And one day I was driving in my car. I kid you, this really happened. I was driving in my car, listening to the radio. I was listening to Jimmy Dillon, who used to pastor the gospel, uh, the uh, Shining Light Baptist Church in Greensboro. Uh, he's dead and gone now, by the way. But anyway, I used to listen to him. I like Jimmy Dillon. I, mean, I knew him in person uh, because I used to run his broadcast when I worked for WPET. But anyhow... He was preaching not on that particular verse. And I didn't have that verse in my mind as I was listening to him. But he mentioned that verse, made one statement, bam! It gave me the, the message that I was trying to get from that verse. I didn't understand. I said, why didn't I see that? And it was so simple. But why did he reveal it to me? I prayed, God, I don't get it. Will you please show me that? And then I forgot about it. And then later on, he showed it to me. Isn't God good? He does that kind of stuff to you. Ladies and gentlemen, may I encourage you, please. Just because you're saved does not mean that you can't get involved with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. John was talking to individuals who knew the Lord. But they had to be warned. Be on the lookout. The devil is after you.